we're live. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Die Hard Hoops podcast. We are officially in the off season, which uh, I think is is bittersweet. I could use a little bit of a break. I didn't realize until at the end of the season um, how much I was invested in in the comeback and the return of basketball. There were I went a long time with watching games consistently. And um, felt a little bit like the end of end of running a marathon. So, big bro, I know that you got to do an episode and kind of speak on you know your thoughts on the bubble and LeBron's legacy a little bit. Uh, so, I wanted to cover a couple of those things too. And then, do you think maybe we'll just go over you know what it what it looks like maybe in each conference heading into next season, whenever that might happen? Bro, whatever you want, man. We're All good. right. So I was really pleased with the way the bubble turned out in terms of the health of the players that you could consistently count on guys being there at the games. That's the difference with what we're seeing with the NFL where, you know, they're not in a bubble and we don't really know which players and which teams are going to be ready to play night in and night out. And so it was really nice just to be able to build up a rhythm as a, as a fan and know like, yeah, these guys, they're not coming in contact with anybody that has COVID and they're going to be ready to play as long as they're not sustaining an injury on the court. And I really liked the way that they did that and the way they pulled that off. And I have a great respect for the players that did it. The more I think about it, um, the more I respect their willingness to have participated in that bubble. And I also respect the guys that decided to stay home. It was a huge commitment. When we're talking about, you know, a team like the Lakers and them being in the bubble for as long as they were and remaining competitive and, and keeping their eyes on the prize, I was, I was really um, appreciative of that. And the quality of basketball was so much higher than I think I expected. I don't know why I thought, you know, that the, the quality of, of hoops was going to be poor in the bubble. I, I think I was attributing it to the layoff that they were coming off of. And I was thinking, you know, it's just not going to be good hoops. And now looking back on it, it's like, why wouldn't it have been? You're putting the best players in the world in a situation where all they have to worry about is basketball. There's no fans. There's consistent environments. So it seemed like everybody started hitting threes. Uh, and there was just a lot of things that were playing into into how well it went. But did you share any of those same feelings? I thought um, and we touched a little bit on one of the other episodes, but you know, you you can get into a rhythm, I think, faster because you're in that bubble. And as far as the, the practices, the games, the lack of travel, there's only a handful of gyms that they're playing in, basically all the same. And, you know, for, for the most part, players tend to shoot a little bit better in more of a closed space as well. And just, I think it's just the depth perception or aspect of it. Um, so even before the playoffs really began, I was like, the shooting's going to be really good. And immediately we saw some crazy performances by Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Murray. Um, you know, the, the three-point shooting was at a really high level. So that didn't surprise me too much. Um, and I was talking with another, another coach about the bubble. And it was a big deal for them to join because of the pandemic, because of the racial injustice. Um, but I don't want to go overboard with the fact that they were playing in this, you know, bubble for X amount of months, because having been a person that played overseas in Europe, we weren't, you know, relegated to a bubble. Instead, we were in another country, oftentimes where people don't speak the same language as you. You don't know anybody over there. You don't even really know your teammates. They're from countries all over the world. You're just trying to get to know them. And, you know, that common thread that you have is basketball practice and basketball games throughout the course of the week, you know, and, and you're also not living in your house, right? You're living in an apartment and 
So I, I think from a, an overseas basketball standpoint, um, you know, a lot of players that try to go overseas, they can't handle it. You know, they can't handle it because it's just such a, a stressful experience to be an ocean away from your family. Um, you may not even get to go home for Christmas and your season over there is eight, nine months long. And people do that for a decade. Like if you're a really good overseas player, you're making good money. You might do that for 10 years plus. Right. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of probably international players who are like, yeah, it was a big deal. The NBA players came and, and played in the bubble, but it was probably a heck of a lot easier than what inter, you know, thousands of international players are doing every single year playing basketball overseas. Yeah. I think there's probably no arguing that. And it's, it is a good point. Um, you know, I think it's just <laughs> in, in, context of, of what their usual lifestyle is, I guess I was just kind of surprised that they, that they did go through with it. Um, you know, because of course LeBron had the, had the suite, he's got the best room on the, on the thing. He can still order in his hyperbaric chambers and whatever he wants. Um, you know, but, but maybe for that 12th man on that team, um, you know, the experience was a little bit different, who knows, but, uh, Anyway, I'm, I'm, I want to talk a little bit about LeBron's legacy and from listening to your, to your episode, it kind of sounds like you're willing to reevaluate where he is in the pantheon of the greats, but not necessarily uh, putting him ahead of MJ. And of course, that's the, the conversation that, that immediately took off. I think prior to the Lakers even winning it all was like, yeah, what are the, what are the MJ fans going to do now if LeBron gets this fourth ring in the bubble? And and I thought Ryan Rosillo had said it really well where he's like, you know, it's a lot like politics. Like, you know, even if, if uh, LeBron were to win like seven, there's going to still be a, a huge group of MJ fans that are just never going to be convinced that he's better than MJ. And um, I don't know if I'm, if I'm that far, but it's not the fourth championship that does it for me. Um, I don't all of a sudden have LeBron ahead of Michael Jordan and it it's nitpicking, but like I thought his response to, to winning the championship and demanding all this respect was, it was just odd to me. And it's something that I think you'd be hard pressed to go back and find um, someone that truly is entrenched in the top five of the best players of all time and, and see someone that, for some reason harbors this like bitterness towards whoever it is, the media or the certain group of fans that, that likes Kobe or likes Jordan more than him. Um, you don't, you don't see that type of speak with a player like Jordan with a player like Kobe. I don't think you see it with a player like Kareem. I don't think you see it with a player like magic uh, bird. I don't really ever see them saying things like that who you might see it with would be a, a, a player like Shaq where he's like, come on, man. I, you know, I, I would rough up Kareem in the post. And it's like, maybe that's true, but you didn't do enough in your career effort wise to really separate yourself from a player like Kareem, right? You didn't win as many championships. So Shaq might have this idea in his head that he should be on the same level as Kareem, but he didn't put the effort towards having the same resume. Right. And I'm not saying that's the case for LeBron, but those are the guys that you're hearing say things like that. You might hear it from a guy like, you know, Isaiah Thomas in a documentary, you know, saying like, I need to be regarded as, as one of the greats. And in his case, he's right. Like he gets glossed over because he was in that era of the bird, the magic and the Jordan. And he's unlikable for people outside of Detroit. And so I think that LeBron should be above that. I don't get it. I don't understand who he's trying to trying to hit with those, with this demanding of respect. And so having that come out so shortly after them winning the championship, it kind of turned me off to the fact that they just did it. And um, other than that though, I got to say I was thoroughly impressed in them winning it. LeBron continues to just be this force of nature and setting the standard for the other guys in the NBA to look at what we, what we saw from Kawhi last year, a lot of people, including myself were like, okay, 
this dude is doing things that otherwise we've only really seen LeBron do in the last few years. We're talking about willing a team to, to victories, um, you know, setting the tone on the defensive end as well as the offensive end, hitting clutch shots and having it actually lead to a championship. Well, Kawhi couldn't duplicate that. And he had a great team around him. And then you see LeBron who I think had a better team around him, uh, at least a, a better sidekick, but left no doubt. And he was attacking throughout the series and really just for as well as Jimmy Butler played, like, there was still a huge, huge gap. And that's what you want to see from a player like LeBron is to after the finals be like, man, there's no doubt that he was the best player by far. And that includes way more than Anthony Davis. Like Anthony Davis is a super talented guy, but this year LeBron was, was just on a different level and they don't do that without his, his level of play. So that was just kind of some of my takeaways. So no, I don't have him, um, you know, ahead of Jordan by any means, this doesn't validate that for me, but I, I do have to just give it up to him. Like he said what he was going to do. He puts all the, the hashtag washed King on social media and, and everything. And then he went out and did it. And, and so I was impressed with that. It did turn me off as well. Um, listen, who, who was doubting LeBron? Nobody was, was doubting him. Like, who said he was washed? Nobody said he was washed. Who was disrespecting him? Nobody was disrespecting him. Um, so, I mean, I get maybe you want to create some, you know, Michael Jordan did that. Like, somebody said good game. And so, Michael has, you know, 36 in the first half. And it's like, well, actually, he didn't even tell you good game. You know, you just had to find some motivation. So, maybe that's what it is. But when you go to the media directly after winning, the championship and you talk about, you know, I need my respect. That is a real big turnoff because I don't remember a player that's ever been that good at that level speaking that way. Right. I mean, Kobe was always talking about like, man, you, what you see for me, you get from all the players that I've learned from in the past when all the conversations that, you know, you were talking with Michael Jordan and people were always saying you're the best. And he's like, you can't do that, right? There, there's eras and there's, you know, credit to all the players that have gone before me. And then, you know, w- when you see a lot of players talking about the game, the all-time greats, the Kobe's, the Jordans, they're always very appreciative of all those that have come in the past. And they're very, you know, deferential in the way like, yeah, but look at all these other great players. and. LeBron so often seems to be like, it's, it's just about him. And that's always been something that's really, really frustrated me um, with, with watching, watching him play and hearing his, his interviews. He just makes it a harder for me to root for than a lot of other players who, you know, you could argue their style of play. Maybe they're more of a shooter than, you know, a pass first player more of a creator. You can argue that, but when you speak with somebody and you, and you get to hear what's, you know, really going on inside their head, I mean, that's, that's the true self. Like when you're talking with a player or you're watching a player, they have different strengths and they're going to go about winning in different ways. And that's fine. Um, but, you know, give, give more credit to other people, other players um, for help kind of paving, paving the way instead of saying like, I just want my respect, man, LeBron, everybody respects you. You are one of the greatest players of all time. And just because people haven't put you, many people haven't put you as the best player of all time, which he's not, you know, that shouldn't be discrediting him. I said in the last episode, like just because LeBron's not the greatest player of all time, that's not a, you know, a mean thing to say, right? Jordan is the best player of all time. Um, I think that, you know, if you were to get into some rankings of all time players, you know, this, this title obviously helps, right? His career is not over. He played phenomenal. Um, so I'm, I'm ready to, to put him in, you know, that 
that group was like a Kareem, you know, Kareem, um, maybe one of the more underrated players of all time, but dude won six MVPs. Yeah. He won six NBA championships. He was an 11 time all defensive player, right? <laughs> um, he would, you know, he did it on both sides of the court. Obviously he's the all time leading scorer, which I don't even like that stat. I mean, it's, it's a lot about, you know, it's a credit to his career and his longevity. Um, but, you know, as more and more players begin to, you know, play longer because of all the things that we're able to do with health, I think a lot of these stats are going to get inflated and blown out of the water. Um, but what doesn't lie is, is the fact that he won six MVPs. Six. Yeah. Um, and I know, you know, there's many players that haven't won a lot of MVPs and you're like, yeah, well, they deserve more. And there's players that have won like Steve Nash won too. And you're like, yeah, but he was never the best player in the league. And so I know that's not a great, you know, be all end all, but it shows the level, right? You know, look, you know, with the MVPs that he has plus the top, you know, five votings, it's a decade plus that he's been one of the top five players in the league. Right. I mean, that, that's clear. Um, and then the other thing is if you were to say, all right, Kareem is going to join, you know, Kyrie and Kevin Love or Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, and then he's going to go play with one of the top players in the league. Obviously they wouldn't pair him with Anthony Davis, although you could, I mean, could you imagine trying to score on those guys? They would defend every position, both of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kareem would be a better bigger version of Anthony Davis, right? If you put him in today's game, could you imagine that with the dude actually wants to post up and Kareem, like back in the day, they, you couldn't dunk because of Kareem. They changed the rules because of Kareem. That's how he developed the hook is because he was dominating. He was, he was the greatest college basketball player of all time. Mm -hmm. That's not debatable they changed the rules to not dunking. So he learned the sky hook, the most unguardable shot ever. Right. Um, and so, yeah, Kareem played with some great teammates in the NBA. Um, he played with as many talented players as a LeBron. No. And I think that's another one of the reasons why, you know, we can't automatically jump LeBron up to, you know, a number one spot, although he's close is because nobody in history has had, the level of teammates that LeBron James has had. So if you have those teammates, you're going to win. Dude, you were reading my mind because as I was listening to your episode and then listening to, you know, all the other pundits out there, they're all like, yeah, but you know, the the one thing that LeBron has is that he's won a championship with three different teams and that's going to look really good on, on his end of career resume. And I'm thinking to myself, like, how does that do it for some people? Because for me, like that's different. That's different than even Kawhi going to Toronto and having that be his second team and say he were to, to win one with the Clippers, there would be the difference between him and LeBron having won championships with three teams. And the fact that when Kawhi won one in Toronto, his second best player was Kyle Lowry. Okay. And so there's differences to that. And you cannot gloss over the fact that with LeBron's three teams, he had played with Dwayne Wade, who I think is the third greatest shooting guard of all time. And now Anthony Davis, who is the best power forward slash center in the league right now. And now with a championship is what? Maybe the fourth best power forward of all time. I think that you'd have to put Duncan, probably Garnett, McHale. Am I missing anybody else that would be up there ahead of him? I mean, I, you know, just from a career standpoint, I'd probably put Malone ahead of him as well. Malone, maybe Barkley, if you consider him a power forward too. Yeah, Um, I would probably wouldn't put Barkley, although he did win MVP. Like you, you know, I think, I don't want to get us off track. I think peak Barkley, like for two years, better than anything we've seen from Anthony Davis so far. But as far as like, who is the better player for their career? Um, you know, Barkley didn't play great defense throughout and, um, he was just had some inconsistencies. Yeah. 
So that was kind of my response when I hear that from people where they're like, you know, this legacy that LeBron leaves is that everywhere he goes, he wins a championship. I'm thinking everywhere that he goes, he joins not just other good players, all time talent. Maybe with the exception of like Kyrie and Kevin Love, like there was a point where Kevin Love in Minnesota was putting up insane MVP numbers. And I think that was a, a bit of a facade because you know, his statistics, obviously a lot of players that play with LeBron, their statistics actually get worse because he, he demands so much of the ball. He can bring more out of them in the sense of winning, but he doesn't bring more out of them in improving their stats. And it's like, so you, you join a, a Dwayne Wade who is an all timer. And then now Anthony Davis, who I think is going to be an all timer. And to me, that argument just it, it, it's never held up and it doesn't hold up now. It doesn't do that for me. It's just switching teams and joining these great players, to be honest. I agree. And, you know, so again, he's, he's one of the all-time greats. I'm, I'm going to have to go back and look and see where he ranks, you know, all-time. He's clearly in the top 10 for me, you know, clearly in the top 10. Um, I got to see where he is, you know, if I had to give my top five, because with his longevity and the fact that his career is not over, it's almost like you'd have to say, okay, who is the best player in your opinion? And then who had the best career, right? And I think that's LeBron's chance. If you take away all the stuff that we talked about with the teammates and things like that, I mean, you can't argue that, but the career and his longevity of, I mean, this guy's looking like he could play 20 or more years. Um, then you're going to kind of get into the debate of, well, who had the best career, right? And that's kind of his chance to say, when it's all said and done, who had the best career? It could be LeBron James. It could be. Um, does that make him the best player to me? No, but it, that's part of it. Right. If you have the best career, that means in many ways you were the best player. Um, so it, as far as career goes, I mean, he's in, he's already in that category with Kareem. Um, I don't think I would put him ahead of Kareem. Um, when you look at everything that they, Kareem was able to accomplish over his NBA career, but he's really, really close. Um, I think he, with four championships and the things that he's done, is he passed, you know, a Magic Johnson and a, and a Larry Bird? Ah, man. I mean, he's right there. Yeah, probably. He's probably passed those guys. Um, you know, then we, we talk about Kobe, like Pete Kobe for a, a couple years. I'm taking Kobe. Like, I want Kobe on my team. Um, you know, if you put, again, if you put Kobe playing with all of the best players, is he going to win four championships? Yeah, probably more. Right. I mean, I mean, so yeah. And look what happened when Kobe and Shaq were together, they were, you know, arguably the two best players in the league. They won three championships. Like it's, it's silly to say, you know, somebody wins it on their, their own. And I think that was one of the things that make Jordan so good is that although Pippen was a great teammate, he was never a 1A top player. Right? Not a Dwayne Wade, yeah. Yeah, like Wade won as the best player on a championship team already with a Shaq that was starting to get old. Like they had a really good team, don't get me wrong, um, but that was Wade's team. And um, where was I going with this? I Just comparing, you know, Pippen as, the, as Jordan's second best player comparatively to LeBron's like Pippen was a perfect sidekick, right? Um, but he wasn't at the level of, you know, a Dwayne Wade who's like, just give me this, I'm taking this game over. Or, you know, nobody would say Kyrie was better than Pippen. But if you need a bucket, if you need somebody to create a score and do a bunch of things, Kyrie's going to be able to, to do that for you. Um, Anthony Davis, obviously, is one of the most talented players we've ever seen. We're talking about him as possibly being one of the five greatest power forwards, you know, ever, which is crazy. Um, so nobody wins alone. Nobody is successful alone. Um, but the fact of what Jordan was able to do 
with really one consistent guy who was a Hall of Fame player. I mean, it's it's just more of an argument that he's the GOAT. Yeah. Yeah, I think what what I'd like to see from LeBron as he's winding down his career, maybe if you can consider like looking like he has five more great years left, um, if not more, <clears throat> is to just like have his head down and to say, Hey, when it's all said and done, like if I got seven championships, what are you going to do? He's got four right now. He has another top three to five player on his team right now. All they have to do is plug those pieces in and just continue to try to compete for championships. And I got to think like, as long as Davis sticks around that, you know, there's always going to be like a, a third complimentary player on the market somewhere that they can try to get. And that'll be at, at different levels. It's not going to look like a Bradley Beal or anything like that. But, um, you know, as Rondo might leave town, as Caldwell Pope might leave town for other opportunities, like um, they'll continue to plug those pieces. And there's always going to be a next man up, I think, coming in to try to try to compete. So <clears throat> that's what I would like to see is just that approach. Um, and and yeah, I think th- that's how the greats that's how the greats should, should be responding. So I don't know, but that's, that's always been his thing. Like that isn't really anything new. It's just kind of, um, he, he, he pretends that he's, he's slighted in some way, um, after, after having won something. So I, I'm not sure what that approach is, but, um, anyway, I kind of want to go over if you got time, just maybe like who we think the top three in each conference will be next year. You want to go that direction? Let me, I, I hate that we talked about the Jordan LeBron thing for so long because it's 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 not that much of a conversation to me. So I, I, the the last thing that I want to say about it before we talk about this next season is um, when Michael Jordan played, and I know this is tough because probably a lot of our listeners may not have even been born yet when he was playing. But when Michael Jordan played, you knew you were going to lose there was this feeling that, you know, I remember game one, 97 playoffs and the bulls have the ball and Jordan's coming down with it and the clock's winding down and he shoots that thing at the buzzer and drains the game winner. And the frustrating thing was you knew it was going to happen. Like everyone was, was helpless. Like I was not a Jordan fan. I was like, he's going to make the shot like the Bulls have it. And I can't remember if they were down one or the game was tied. And he he was just like, he's going to do something and they're going to win the game. And then he did. And he had this ability to not only raise his game on the biggest stage, but to go above and beyond what seemed normal. And then when he was supposed to win, he always won too. And he, he just had this aura about himself that when he was out there, you're like, we're not going to win. Like we could have any team that we want to throw out here and we're not going to be able to beat the other team because they have Michael Jordan out there. Like, it was, you know, and he did it offensively. He did it defensively. He did it with the mental game, just the mindset. Um, his IQ was off the charts. His skill level was off the charts. And, you know, the late 80s and the early 90s, Jordan was one of the most athletic, talented players of all time. And so he wasn't 6'8", he was 6'6". Okay, but he, you know, prime MJ had like a 50-inch vertical, right? He could jump from the free throw line and double pump dunk. He could jump off one foot. He could jump off two foot. His hang time is something that we have never, ever seen where you could jump up in the air and, you know, he could eat a popsicle and then he could go on the other side of the basket and make the shot. We've never seen anybody with that form of athletic ability, a lot of great athletes, but to be able to play that way, um, it's, it was just like, it's game over. It's game over. And that was one of the reasons why, you know, I almost wanted the Bulls to lose because I was like, is this, this dude human? But in, in a, in a way he wasn't, does that make sense? 
Yeah, man. I mean, I think that documentary of him really laid that all out and, and showed, you know, just how different he was than, than everybody. Um, and LeBron himself was even watching, he was seen watching the last dance, like the day he got home from, from the, the bubble. Um, we, I do want to move on, but I'm also going to also react to something that I've been seeing on social media, which is, you know, MJ has these six championships. LeBron has 10 finals appearances and people are trying to weigh those two things. And all I would ask people is as, as you weigh those, for me, it's simple. That's all I need to hear. Six championships over 10 finals appearances. But for those that might be struggling with it, I want you to also remember it's six championships having never gone to a game seven. That's just something to, to consider when you say that he won when he was supposed to, that's exactly, you know, what I think that that means. And then he also won when, when maybe he shouldn't have. And so, um, that's just kind of the last thing I want to leave people with on that. So let's talk about, let's talk about the East first. And, and then the, the other thing is to like many of the times when Jordan didn't make it to the finals, he still lost to the NBA champ. The NBA champ was in the East. The East was just really, really tough. In fact, the Eastern conference at that time was better than the Western conference, right? With, with the Celtics still being really good with the Pistons still being really good with the Knicks being one of the best teams in the NBA. Um, and you know, not that he ever lost to the Knicks. He didn't, but you know, the, it's like, okay, yeah, you made it to 10 finals. That's great. But the East was not good. You know, it was really, it was really, really, really weak. Whereas, you know, if you picked out the five best teams in the NBA, generally the Cavs or the Heat or whoever it was would be one of those five. And then the other four were going to be in the West. Right. So, I mean, you got to take that into account too. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so let's talk about the Eastern conference first. I'm looking at the standings from last year. So I'll just list, I'll list the top eight, I guess, uh, Bucks, Toronto, Boston, Indiana, Miami, Philly, Brooklyn, and the magic. Do you want to go ahead and give like who you think your top, top three is going to be next year in terms of, um, it could be a hodgepodge of standings, but also maybe who you think is going to take a run at the chip. You know, I think it's win now for a lot of these teams. And although I think that the Milwaukee Bucks are going to have a, a great season, you wouldn't pick against them to not finish top in the league. It's win now. They need to make some serious moves if they want to keep Giannis. They need to build shooters. They need another creator out on the court. And Giannis has to put in the work and improve his game, which is weird to say because he's a two-time MVP, but his game has some serious, serious holes when it comes to being able to play basketball that's going to win in the NBA playoffs. And we've talked about it a million times, but if he can hit mid-range, whether that's off of posting up or whether that's off of driving and, and pulling, if that's not a considerable improvement from this past season, I'm almost like jumping off that Giannis bandwagon, to be honest with you, because and for Luca, you've had enough time. You've had enough time. Yeah. I think um, for me, Milwaukee, I, I'm guessing that they're probably going to finish as the top seed, <clears throat> excuse me again in the, in the East. Um, but they have to do something, especially at the point guard position. Like our friend, John horse has to make, has to make a change there. Um, I could see there's rumblings that Rondo will be signing elsewhere. Like he wouldn't do much for the regular season, but if you were to get up, up even a player like Rondo and then on a higher level, if they make a play for somebody like Chris Paul, who's been linked there for a while as a possibility, um, even a, a Derek Rose who had a great year with the Pistons last year, like what he could give you for a full season. I don't know, but if he were healthy in the playoffs and he'd be able to run the pick and roll and, and make some plays, like that would even be a huge upgrade. Bledsoe is just, he's, he looks like what you want in a point guard. He is not what you want in a point guard, especially in the playoffs. Um, who do you got as, as some of your other teams to look out for? Well, I mean, obviously I'm really intrigued by what Miami's going to do. Um, you know, the, the free agent market is sparse. Yeah. Um, but I think that, they can improve from the inside as far as some of their shooters, improving their game off the dribble at a bio, getting a little bit better. Um, the health of 
you know, Dragic is a question mark. I think Butler, do we expect him to be better? No, but I would expect them to be about the same. And, you know, I think that they're, they're just an intriguing team to watch. I could see them kind of starting next season off slow and then trying to really kind of ramping up and seeing if they can do, you know, whether it's a sign and trade or something that they have the ability to add just an, another piece. And they have a lot of good pieces that they've put together to make it all the way to the NBA finals. Um, but I feel like they just need another person, assuming Dragic can come back and be the playmaker. Cause I think we found that if you're going to win in today's NBA, you need two playmakers, right? We saw that what was the biggest difference in many ways between the Lakers and the, the heat was the fact that Rondo and LeBron could really take turns and, and create. Um, and that's, you know, not including the fact that Davis could create, but if they can get another perimeter player to, to really do some creating, you know, they, they got a, ch- a sh- chance and, you know, this sounds crazy, but that series went to six games basically without Dragic and was injured at a bio. I mean, the Heat might have won the title this year. Really, they might have. So, I mean, that, that's just something to, something to think about. It's, you know, they're, you do not need to retool or rebuild. They just get a couple pieces that can continue to get better. Um, and then the, the Celtics are a big question mark. Obviously, the talent, but what move are they going to make? Are they going to get rid of Marcus Smart? Are they going to get rid of Gordon Hayward? I think that they're too guard-heavy and they need to get another big. So I think they need to ship out one of their perimeter players. They need to get a bigger, more athletic body to guard these high-level players in the NBA playoffs from the Heat with Adebayo, uh, a matchup with Giannis that you could switch out and guard. And then from the West, you got to beat Jokic, you got to beat Davis. And so that was a weakness is their interior defense. They need to step up something there. And then the other intriguing team is, is always – you know, Philadelphia, what's, what's Embiid and Simmons going to look like? Who knows? Doc Rivers going there. Is he going to be able to do something? Doc Rivers isn't knows, known for his, you know, offensive imagination, right? As great of a coach as he is. So I don't know if that's really the solution, but I'm definitely intrigued to see what shakes out there. Yeah, I think I got, you know, the same teams to to keep an eye on. So we're talking about the Bucks, uh, the Celtics. I think that they are going to have a lot of flexibility and there's things being said about if Smart could be packaged for for somebody and Smart would fetch a pretty heavy price. Um there's a lot of like contenders right now or teams that are right there that I think would be like well, we could, we have a chance here to like give up a pick and maybe another decent player for a guy that can guard you know, one through four essentially um, and play in crunch time. And so I, I really like that Celtics team. And then for me, you know, it also comes down to uh, the heat and the 76ers. I think the heat, we had talked about this in a previous episode too, where like you really like their roster as you go piece by piece, but it also seemed a little bit like a fine line. Like this was to me, this, if we look back in three years and they kind of fade back um, away from relevance, like it wouldn't necessarily surprise me. And it just seemed like they took advantage of the situation perhaps. And I could be proven wrong. Like maybe they do the same thing next year when, when everything or when things are more normal. Um, And so I, I do like that. I suspect that, that hero will come back and, and be a stronger player. And he can be that, that second playmaker where maybe if a Dragic were hurt, like what if, what if hero was a year or two ahead of where he was this year, he could have probably played a little bit more of that playmaker role. Um, and at times he did, but he couldn't do it consistently. And so I do like that heat team still the 76ers. I never want to bet on them because Embiid is just, we've talked about it before. Like he's just so hit or miss like one, one night he's, backing people down and dunking on them and dropping like 35 and 18. And then the next night, you know, he's spotted eating a cheeseburger on the sideline and has, he's six for 18 or something. Um, you know, so I don't really know what to expect with them, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if doc coming into town is just like a bit of a rejuvenation here for these guys. And if he can get Simmons and Embiid on the same page, then they're definitely like a, a top three team. And then I want to talk, 
well, I don't want to talk about them, but um, you know, the Brooklyn Nets, like there's there, I think there is a world where if, if Kyrie and Katie are healthy, come the playoffs, even if they, if they rest them throughout the season and they only win say like 45 games or something like that's going to be a dangerous team in the playoffs. Uh, there's just, they would just be a difficult matchup and they do have legit pieces like Joe Harris and Karis Levert and Spencer Dinwiddie. And so I think that that's a really interesting team, especially if they can package some of that, like if they were to score a Bradley Beal somehow, it would take a lot to pry him away from Washington, but that's, that's no longer a team to, to forget about. So those are, those are just things that I'm kind of looking at heading into this next season. Yeah, there's um, so much to think about that team with injuries where, you know, we've spent the right amount of time on them. Not that much time is because they're a question mark with health. And obviously you have Kevin Grant who before getting injured was one of the best players in the league, you know, maybe the best player in the league, arguably before he got hurt. People seem to forget that. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, like, you know, I don't like the fact that he went to the Warriors. I was very vocal about that, but that doesn't mean he wasn't, you know, at the time, you know, the best, the second best at worst, maybe the third best player in the NBA even. I mean, you that's pretty realistic to say seven feet tall, do everything that he does. Um, but because of the health of him and Kyrie and the fact that they're overloaded on the perimeter, they if they're going to be the best team that they can be, they have to make some, some moves. So um, let's talk a little bit about the West before we go. Yeah. Who do you, uh, who do you got your eye on for the West? Let's kind of do it the same way as we did the East. I mean, you have to go through the Lakers and you have to go through the Nuggets. I mean, uh, what the Nuggets have shown with Jokic, he got in better shape during the pandemic. Murray is, is legit. I love the pieces. I think that some of the younger pieces on the Nuggets are only going to get better. I think this second year in a row where they've made a deep run, um, they're filled with with confidence. You know, Mike Malone is their head coach. I mean, he seems like he's got, you know, things up and running and, and moving. And it's just they're a they're a team to to really watch out for. So as far as the the teams to beat, those are the two. Uh, as far as the teams that I'm intrigued by, you know, you, you have a very similar situation in Brooklyn as you do in Golden State, right? And with those injured players, I'm a little higher on the the Warriors as far as the the basement, not necessarily the ceiling, but I think the basement is higher because Curry's injury wasn't a leg or knee injury, right? Um, so Clay Thompson's was. Um, so I, I think Curry's going to be more back to his normal self. Um, but I, I'm not picking them to be, you know, this title team um, because I think they need another piece. But the reason they're interesting, Tay, is because they got that number two pick, right? Yep. And so will they make a move? You have Wiggins, you have this pick. Can they do something to get another player that can can guard and be kind of interchangeable from the inside and outside area? And then if they can get a serviceable ball handler point guard to assist Curry or to take the reins when Curry's on the bench, basically I think they need two pieces. Um, Cause I don't think Wiggins is, is that piece, but I think he can be used. I think that second pick can be used. And so if you have a team of Curry, assuming Thompson's healthy, Draymond Green being, you know, at least what he usually is. And then if you can find a way to get a serviceable point guard and then a good kind of inside outside big, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that can be a team that can be, you know, around a three in the West. Yeah. I'm, I almost forgot about them. Um, but you're right. That option with that second pick makes that so interesting because you're always going to be able to, um, look at these middling teams that (laughs) typically, um, they're, they are so bad in part due to their front offices and the warriors are so good due in part to their front offices. And so when you talk about 
making trades and stuff too. Like sometimes that's a mismatch in itself. And so I could see the warriors like getting really creative and taking advantage of some of these teams that might, might find that second pick really interesting. Um, the, the Lakers are going to be, are going to be excellent. Um, I, if I had to pick like a favorite in the West next year to win it, um, I don't know if they'll finish as the one seed, but to, to win it all, I think you have to go with the Lakers, the Clippers, are going to be right up there. Um, also, don't want to talk about them too much just because they don't deserve uh, an ounce of, of airtime. But um, if they can do anything at the point guard position, and I, there was some funny joke about Kawhi requesting a new PG from the front office, and people were like, did he mean a point guard or did he mean a new Paul George? And um, <laughs> so I, I thought that that was funny. But Dude, we're in 2020 and we're talking about Rondo, like potentially bouncing to some of these teams and being a big help in the playoffs is pretty crazy. Uh, Rondo could just walk down the hallway and, and play for the Clippers. Nuggets, same thing. And they're another team that has a super high ceiling in part because of their the way that their current roster is. Like we just saw them on display making a deep playoff run, but also their ceiling is so high because of Michael Porter Jr., so whether uh, they could package him for something or keep him and he improves in the off season and becomes that like third guy that's that could possibly be a second guy, but is willing to be a third guy, um, you know, then that's big. He would fetch a, a, a great price like for, for a third star if they were to package him with a couple other things. And um, you got to talk about the Mavericks. Like they also are probably thinking, Hey, we can win a championship with Luca a lot sooner than we thought we could. Like we could, he's ready. Like he's ready. Is the team ready? And I don't think that the team is ready. Um, because what, what more can you ask of Luca? Like after his bubble run, are you, are you, is he going to be able to improve that much that he would be able to make up for the inadequacies of, of the roster? Like maybe a LeBron often does um, in terms of the, the other pieces, role players. I don't think so but they have options. Like, could they package Porzingis and get, get something more consistent uh, back? I don't know, or get a third player. So I really like them as well, heading into heading into this off season. Basically the West is just a treasure trove of interesting and, and really good, really, really good teams. Like I, I have no idea what direction the West is going to go by the time the playoffs would roll around. So who's your, pick to win the title next year? I think I got to go Lakers. I could try to talk myself out of it and it wouldn't be that difficult. Like you can say, yeah, Rondo might be leaving town and, and all these other role players that played a big, a big part, uh, LeBron's aging, all these things. But I think it would be kind of silly just to, to not put them as the favorite at this point. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's too early to make a, uh, a realistic pick because there's so many changes that are going to happen in the off season. Um, but as it stands now, I don't see why they wouldn't be the favorite to win it. Um, more chemistry, you know, Davis is Davis can still get better. That's crazy, right? Davis can, can improve his game yet. Um, if you had to list the top four players in the NBA, who are they? Oh man. You're going to pull that out on me. Uh, let's see. So we'll go LeBron as we finish. Yeah, we'll go. Th this isn't in order, um, but I'd say LeBron. We'll go Giannis. We'll go Luca. We'll go Kawhi. Is that crazy? Am I missing somebody big time? What about Anthony Davis? What about? Yeah, I was missing uh, somebody. Jokic. I don't think Jokic is in my is in my top four. He's it probably in my top five or six. Um, I think I would actually pull, I think I'd pull Luca out of there and put Davis in there instead. Now that I think about it. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. And it might be giving too much credit to Kawhi. I don't know. Hmm. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> what about you? Oh, you want me to pick? Yeah, come on. Um, no, I, LeBron showed this year that he, he was the best player in the league this year. So I have him at, at number one. Um, this is going to be pretty surprising. Um, I, I got Luca as the second best player in the NBA. Okay. Um, 
And then after that, I would go uh, Kawhi. After that, I think I would go with Anthony Davis. And then after that, I would go Giannis or Jokic. Like that's that's how much I've dropped Giannis. Like that that is you know after watching him in the playoffs, I had him as you know the second or third best player in the league. After watching him, I can't put him there. Like he he he's as great of a player as he is. He's not able to impact the game in the variety of ways that the other players I mentioned can. You know, when you are are doing a math equation in class and you think you're about 85% sure that you have it right. And then you peek over at your friend, you probably never did this, but you peek over at your friend's paper and all of a sudden their answer starts looking a lot better. That's what I just experienced. You're right. You you convinced me of Giannis um, not deserving that top spot. I think we, we just saw from Davis, like the Bucks probably would have been better off if they had just been able to swap Giannis for Davis straight up and to see how that would play out. Cause he can do so much more um, on the offensive end. He can, he can hurt you a lot of different ways. And so that makes sense not to have him there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm surprised having Luca, it didn't take much. It didn't take uh, a extended period of, of good play to, to have him as your second best player. I mean, the whole season statistically almost averaged 30 to go along with the triple double. And then he had the, he was the best player in the first round of the playoffs. He almost single-handedly took a team of, that was much more talented that he was going against in the Clippers and almost beat them. Um, And to have him go up against two of the best perimeter defenders in the league and Kawhi and Paul George and they could not guard him. That's all I needed to know. Yeah, that makes sense. So Luca's stock is, is very expensive. Giannis stock is dropping, get it while you can. Cause um, in the same vein, I, I, I think the bucks are going to do enough to make a run at the, at the finals next year. I think if they can up, it's, it's that fine line, like getting that second playmaker, getting a point guard, um, I think will unlock a ton of things for Giannis. And I would not be surprised if they were in the finals. Yeah, I'm rooting for him. I love, you know, I love, you know, his, his fire, his tenacity. And, um, you know, I look forward to saying, you know, this next season, maybe he became the best player in the league. Who knows? But yeah, that was fun. I got to roll. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Peace.